The water in Mallorca doesn't taste like what it ought no, to. No, no. The water in Mallorca don't taste like what it ought to. The water in Mallorca doesn't taste quite how it should. Mallorca. 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 Welcome to another episode of Customers Also Watched, the podcast where my guests and I discuss and spoil a movie currently available for free on Amazon Prime, picked by me from the Customers Also Watch list of the previous episode's movie. After we discuss the movie, we rate it on a five-point scale, love it, recommend it, leave it, remake it, or kill it with fire. Then I'll pick the next movie to be covered at the end of the show from the Customers Also Watch list of today's film. I'm your host, Erica, and before I introduce my guest, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Cynthia from the Demi World podcast for her review of Customers Also Watched on iTunes. Demi World is a podcast about stories of the underbelly of society, and you can check out that podcast on any podcatcher and follow on Twitter at Demi World Cast or Instagram at Demi World underscore cast. Uh, my guest for this week is Shad from the Jump Scare podcast. Hey, Shad. Hello. Thanks for being here. Um, can you tell everyone a little bit about Jump Scare? Yeah, uh, Jump Scare is a podcast that my girlfriend and I do. Uh, we started it about a year ago, and uh, we like to discuss old and new horror movies and uh, pick apart the terrible ones and then also pick apart the good ones. <laughs> Any um, favorites that you guys have covered in the last year? Well, we really enjoyed Madhouse, which I know you also covered. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mausoleum is probably one of our favorites. Oh, okay. If you haven't seen that movie, it's completely insane. Yeah. <laughs> I have. it. That's the woman with the green eyes, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the demon spelled backwards above her, the crypt. Yeah, yeah. She's super <laughs> horny, like, in that yeah, movie. Yeah, she's after everyone. <laughs> I also love the long shots of the gardener just going about his day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, any movies that you and Betty have uh, disagreed on? Um, not yet. We've usually been, I mean, sometimes she's hated it more than I did. But okay. Most of the time we're on the same page. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've been thinking about it. Like the ones I've listened to, I don't think I've heard you guys argue about any of them. But I mean, you know, that's. <laughs> yeah, that's we nice. have to start picking a few of those. So some ones we can disagree on. <laughs> um. So last episode, uh, my guests and I reviewed Antonio Margariti's Killer Fish. And from the customers also watch list of that film, I picked today's movie, which is 1960s September Storm. Millions in sunken treasure. Starring Joanne Drew. Model. New York. Paris. Fortune Hunter. A real gold coin. What is it? Spanish doubloon. Here's its twin. And if I go along? A four-way split. Mark Stevens, international adventurer. You know, I'd, I'd like to have a little talk with you in private. I'll bet you would. I've had a lot of dames in my life, but very little gold. I'll be by you, be by you, by you, I'm gonna be by. Robert Strauss, careless, carefree, dangerous. Oh, 
What do you do in your spare time? Lift elephants? Asher Dan, a new exciting personality. You like to swim very much? Mm-hmm. Thrill to the exciting chase of three men and a girl. Millions in gold. Against deadly odds. No man's life was his own. As always, we do want to provide a drinking game for listeners. Uh, Shad, did you have any thoughts about a drinking game for the movie? Um, well, I would say drink every time they say something sexist, but you'd be drunk 20 minutes into the movie. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I had something kind of along the same lines, but then I was like, yeah, that's super inappropriate, so I'm not going to do that drinking game. Um so I just landed on take a drink whenever Anne has a different swimsuit on. Oh yeah. There's a few of those. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, sexist comments or new swimsuits <laughs> for drinking. <laughs> Either way you're going to get drunk. Yeah. So getting into some of the specifics of the film, uh, it was directed by Byron Haskin and Paul Stater so Stater directed the underwater sequences and has the most interesting resume out of, um, out of the two. He oversaw the stunt work on uh, some TV, uh, TV episodes and some films such as uh, Hillbillies in a Haunted House. And I mentioned that one specifically because my friend Chris on the Killer Eye episode talked about that one. Um, so shout out to Schmidt for that one. Um, what else? Where Eagles Dare, a few of the Planet of the Apes films, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, The Poseidon Adventure, which is one of my favorite movies, uh, The Towering Inferno, Goonies, and The Monster Squad. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's, um, got pretty, I mean, a lot of those are uncredited on IMDb, but, um, it's a huge list of, of stunt work that he did. And so one of the other things that, came up about this film. So Stater under directed the underwater sequences. And one of the sort of trivia facts about this movie is that it's one of the only films produced in stereo vision, which was a sort of short lived process. That was a combination of 3d and widescreen. And a lot of the positive reviews that I read of this film actually cited that as being a selling point for it. And so obviously Shad, you watched this on Amazon, right? Yeah, I saw it on Amazon where it was <laughs> okay. kind of uh, looked like it had been pan and scan cropped. Yeah, like a lot of the shot, like a lot of it is cut, and obviously we're not watching it in 3D. So, whatever selling, like the main selling point of this film was, Shad and I didn't get to see that. So, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> um, <clears throat> now, I usually don't mention screenwriter, but I am. For this movie, for a very specific reason, uh, the screenwriter is W.R. Burnett, who wrote The Great Escape, uh, 
And the reason I brought that up is because that movie stars my boyfriend, Steve McQueen. I love you, Steve. <laughs> All right. And it is starring Joanne Drew, uh, Mark Stevens, who's done a handful of noir films, and Robert Strauss, who was in The Seven Year Itch, uh, The Man with a Golden Gun, and a handful of other films. So there's some recognizable faces from this era, but, uh, and they, they try, but it, um, yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> and then finally, the uh, synopsis is a young, handsome man works on the yacht of a Parisian tycoon who happens to be away at the moment. Two nautical layabouts in Mallorca convince the man to take them out looking for sunken treasure. And I really don't like the description of the, it's Manuel, the young, handsome man who works on the yacht, because I don't like any of the men in this film. <laughs> yeah, they don't do a lot to uh, make themselves very likable. No. Yeah, it's... Uh, all right. I mean, I know it's like 1960. I, I, I know what to expect. And I, I, I try not to get offended when certain things happen, but there it's, it happens so much in this movie that it's extremely frustrating. <laughs> so um, those are some specifics. Let's get into the plot. So like I said, in the synopsis, the film takes place in Mallorca. Um, our leading lady played by Joanne Drew is Anne. And she meets a local diver uh, named Manuel. And their first interaction is really odd on the beach because he is from there and he's speaking English to her. But one of the first things she says to him is no comprende. Yeah. She just immediately assumes, oh, he doesn't speak any kind of English. Right. But he is. So I... <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So it starts off with uh, a little bit of racism um, and uh, slowly progress. No, actually not slowly quickly progresses into some sexism for the entire rest of the movie. Yeah. So they go diving off of his boat and well, he says it's his boat, but um, it's actually, he's just taking care of the boat, but he tells her it's his boat so he can impress her. Um, because he loves her in a very awkward way, which we'll get into later. <clears throat> yeah, very immediately, he loves her, too. Yeah, like, I mean, she's beautiful, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so then we go to two other guys on a smaller boat, and that's we've got Joe and Ernie. And they decide that they're just going to go on Manuel's boat and look around. Because nobody's on it. And they're like, no, nah, maybe we'll borrow it because they need a boat to go look for some sunken treasure. I don't know why they need this particular boat to go sailing somewhere. Did you catch on that, Shad? Like no, why they were they, so set on that? They just, yeah, they mentioned, oh, there's all these other boats that we could take, but we need this one. Yeah. Uh, why? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they just decided they needed to sail in in luxury to go get their gold treasure uh, yeah i don't know and i love how they just crawled onto the boat and started looking around reading the ship's log trying on clothes smoking cigars yeah hey no one will mind it's fine it's just out here empty yeah and then even when manuel and Anne get back on the boat manuel does not seem perturbed at all that these guys are on the boat 
Yeah, if I came home and there was someone in my house or on my boat just hanging out, I'd be first thing I do would be calling the police. Right. Yeah. And Anne's just like, oh, who are these people? And Manuel's like, it like shakes their hand like, oh, hey, like, I mean, he says like, what are you doing on my boat? And the guys are like, oh, we want to charter it. And he's like, oh, no, I don't do that. I'm like, aren't you mad that these fucking guys are on your boat? No one was the least bit upset. No, not at all. So it turns into hey, let's go get some drinks at the club later. And um, this very long a lot of setup before they all, all four of them actually get on the boat to go sail to get the treasure. There's a very long flamenco scene because Joe, one of the two, two guys wants, Anne to convince Manuel to let them charter the boat to go look for the sunken treasure, which he says will split four ways. So eventually they do get there. And, um, and does convince Manuel to let him, um, let the guys use the boat to go get the gold coins. And then there is just a lot of very uncomfortable sexual advances from not so much Joe, but definitely Ernie. Yeah, Joe was just about the money. He was there to get paid. He wasn't there to get laid. He just wanted to get that gold. That was all he cared about. Right. He even said something like, I've had plenty of dames in my life, but not gold or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that was it exactly. He, <laughs> he just wants the money. Yeah. He can buy more women once he gets the money. Yeah. Um, Ernie seems all about Anne, though, and just he he's that like fucking creeper guy that he'll like block your way when you're trying to get by. And I think even at one point on the boat, her she's in her cabin and the door is locked and Ernie like tries to like get in without, he doesn't even fucking knock or anything like that. He just tries to like barge his way into her room. I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. He just creeps down there and is trying to open the door. She hears him comes and looks out after he, you know, he creeps away and it's like, she doesn't seem to be too disturbed by that either. She's just like, Oh, okay. Right. That's another thing that's frustrating about it is because, um, so Manuel, who is, I want to say like half her age, maybe. No, I mean, she's maybe in her, maybe about like 15 years younger at least, but she doesn't seem creeped out by his advances. Um, she, she warns Joe like, Hey, watch out for Ernie or like, Oh, he, someone just tried to get in my room, but but then the next scene, they'll all just be like chattering and laughing together. And I'm like, why are you not like holding a grudge against this guy? Well, especially when one of the first interactions they have is when Joe says, hey, we need to uh, be a, have a captain for this boat. So I'll be the captain and Ernie, you be the cook. And he goes, oh, come on. We got a woman on board and I got a cook. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh yeah, but Ernie does get stuck doing all the cooking. And so he yeah. eventually gets sort of resentful because of how he feels like he's being treated. He's getting the cold shoulder from Anne. He's being made to cook while there's a woman on board. And he basically feels like he's just being told what to do. So anyway, they get um, they do get hit by a storm. Although I don't know that it was if it was ever established if it actually is during September. But I I don't know. So they get hit by a storm and really nothing happens as a result of the storm. It's just some reason for them to have something that happens. <laughs> and oh, then, but my favorite part was where they had to lash uh, Anne down to the bed during the storm. Right. They just carried her downstairs and tied her to the bed. 
because that's not creepy at all. I know. I was like, okay, I know that like boats have those straps to so you don't roll out of bed, but the way that they did it, I was like, oh shit. Like I thought like something was about to go down. Like because it was Ernie and one and Joe who brought her down there, and I was like, or no, wait. I think it was just Ernie and then Manuel yeah, gave a head to her. brought her down there and strapped her down. I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well for her. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, that's... Ugh. But, uh, yeah, so that was just another scene, like, uncomfortable, almost sexual assault scene. So the storm hits, and then the next, and the next day, it's just, like, back to, you know, back on track to go find the gold. At this point, the, the real boat owner has found out that his boat is gone from where it's supposed to be. And so he's on his way to go find it. Um, in the meantime, uh, the four of them have gotten to where the gold is. And um, they're not, not quite yet because Joe gets stung by a Portuguese man of war. Or what appeared to be a giant balloon floating in the water. Yeah, I mean that's really what it was, and they they tried to play it up like it was so like overly dramatic, and it like happened so quickly. But those things just move with the current, and the I, I mean I'm I'm nitpicking at the movie because like nothing <laughs> happens in it, so I have to nitpick at like just the littlest stupid shit. So. Um, it's far enough away that Anne's like, oh my God, what's that? And he's like, it's a Portuguese man of war. Get out of the water. They're, they're venomous. And so she gets out of the water. He, the, the plastic bag or the balloon or whatever the fuck it is, like touches him and he gets stung by it. So then Manuel says, well, let's go to that Island over there because there's some herbs that will help with, um, to counter the effects of it or whatever. So they do that. They're on the island. And while Joe is sort of laid up and letting the medicine work on him and decides that she's going to go for a swim. And this was probably one of the most uncomfortable scenes for me to watch. Yeah, this was, she thought it would be a good idea at this point to just go out there and skinny dip in the ocean. Mm -hmm. While she's with three male strangers, like, ugh. At least two of which have already been like aggressively sexual towards her. Yeah. But she brought her swim cap. I love that. No matter where she went, she had a special swim cap for well, the occasion, too. Yeah. <laughs> you got to make sure your hair doesn't get wet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're out there diving for gold. You got to be careful. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, she goes skinny dipping. And when she gets back on the beach, um, oh, God. So Manuel comes up to her and says, I love you. I've always loved you. I love you more than anything and proceeds to grab her and push her down onto the sand and nearly rapes her. And I'm like, thanks movie. (laughs) Yeah. And then when they pull him off of her, he hops on the little small boat that he took to shore, goes out to the boat and is like, well, I'm out of here. Right. Just decides to take off. Yeah. But somehow, Ernie catches up to him. Ernie gets in the water and Ernie's a bigger guy and he gets in the water and swims after him and catches up to the boat and they get into a fight on the boat. And then Anne and Joe somehow get back on the boat too. And then they all decide like, Oh, it's fine. Let's go get our gold. And they're back on track again. 
let's just not let's just ignore the fighting the, the attempted rape it's fine we'll just keep looking for gold god i'm not a fan of this movie <laughs> no um then i love when they start diving for the gold that the only equipment they brought was a rusty bucket <laughs> and a rope yeah. to pull up three million dollars worth of gold coins yeah they brought a rusty bucket and a rope yeah that was it <laughs> Yeah, so it takes, they're there for like days, and that's how long this part of the movie felt. Like it felt like it was It took three days. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, oh, I gotta do like one load in the bucket, another load in the bucket, and so they're there for days, and I'm like, God, it's just like the same fucking scene over and over again. Um, But there's one thing in here. So another thing that came up in some of the reviews I read besides the whole, um, stereo vision, um, part of it was the tiger shark that's in this. <laughs> the stuffed tiger shark. Yeah. It looks like a, a stuffed animal tiger. shark. <laughs> it doesn't, it's mouth doesn't even look like it has teeth. It looks like it's a, a shark that someone's pulled all the teeth and then they stuffed it. Yeah. It's like, a, it looks like a geriatric, like, yeah, it's like a taxidermy shark just like floating around. Like it's fins don't move. It's like they, they have it down there and like someone like just pushed it through the water off, yeah. off camera or something like that. And then you can actually kind of see it go down. This is like losing momentum. And right. it's like to fall down. <laughs> it's bad oh it's i mean there's plenty of like you know miniatures shots in this with the boat during the storm and everything like that which are which look fine for you know what it is but that looked fucking terrible it's like why would you even include that in there like you're trying to convey the sense of danger and i think at one point joe even says oh there's you know we we got to stop. There's like, there's must be hundreds of sharks down there. I'm like, really? Cause I saw one and I didn't see any stock footage of like multiple sharks swimming around like at all. Yeah, They could have at least like, yeah, they could have at least put stock footage of a bunch of sharks swimming and said, Oh, we got to be really careful. Right. But yeah. no, just the one stuffed shark floating down there. Yep. That's it. Which, you know, so it makes one appearance and they're like, Oh shit, shark. And they get out of the water. Shark. The shark comes back later, which they shoot with the spear gun and they don't even show, I think they show one shot of it hitting its dorsal fin. But then after that, Joe goes over with his knife and I guess kills the shark or wrestles with it and the, or like grabs it and then stabs it. So <laughs> if you guys want a good shark wrestling scene, watch full cheese zombie. Don't watch this fucking movie. Cause you're not going to get a good shark wrestling. Yeah. Because when he got to the tiger shark too, you also realize that the tiger shark looked like it was only about three feet long. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I wouldn't even have bothered to shoot that shark. I would have just flapped it away when it came at me. Yeah, it's not like a shark that size can't really do anything to you. So yeah, just hit it with the you know hit it with that bucket and it'll be fine. Its head <laughs> you can stick the bucket on its head and it'll be fine. <laughs> but then they wouldn't have a way because that then they'd lose their only way to get the gold out <laughs> with their one yeah, bucket. Carry it by the hand, one handful at a time. Then. <laughs> okay, so. Um, now, after that point, there's, I I don't know exactly how long it was, but it felt like at least 20 minutes of more up and down of, you know, gold goes in the bucket, bucket goes up, bucket goes down, gold goes in the bucket, bucket goes up, bucket goes down. <laughs> like, and, yeah, it was at least 20 minutes of that. Uh, but at one point, um, the three men are down there, Anne is still on the boat, 
And then Ernie, creepy Ernie, uh, swims away from the wreck where they're pulling all the gold out of back to the boat and decides that he is just going to take the boat and Anne, like he locks her in her room and is going to take the boat with the gold that's already on there. He's like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm kidnapping this woman who doesn't like, who has shunned my sexual advances. I'm taking this gold and I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. And they, they get on the boat and there's like a, a little scuffle and then they shoot him in the back with a spear gun which you would think would have killed him instantly, but then he's on the, they put him on the bed and put a bandage on it and go, he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's got a spear gun pointed at Joe and then, oh yeah. And then Manuel comes down, shoots him. And I was like, oh shit, Ernie's dead. And yeah, you're right. No, he's not. They're like, oh, just fucking put a bandaid on it. He's fine. He'll be fine. He took a spear gun to the lung. It's not like it's a serious injury. Right. (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) All right, so Ernie has been bandaged up from his not-fatal spear gun wound, um, and a new ship pulls alongside, and that's actually the boat owner who has somehow found them. I think it was from, at one point, there was a plane that flew overhead, so I think maybe the plane was, like, scouting for it and found it and then reported back or something like that. I might have missed a conversation where they actually made that connection, but I... Don't know. No, they showed them looking for it, but they never actually showed up, call the guy and say, hey, we found your boat. Okay. All right. So the I'm doing the work of the movie now. So fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously he's pissed off and he's like, you guys are all going to jail. But then Joe shows him all the gold and he just quickly is like, oh, okay, sold. Yeah, let's split the gold and I'm good. I don't care that you guys stole my boat. So then all five of them... Um, including the boat owner now are sailing back to Majorca when the coast guard pulls them over or tells them like they need to go. What do you do with boats? Dock, right? Yeah. Dock the boat. Okay. So you gotta go, they gotta go dock their boat. And the ending fucking baffled me because Joe basically is like, um, oh, the Coast Guard could confiscate all the gold. Um, can't win them all. And he does not seem concerned at all. Yeah, he's just like, oh, well, you win some, you lose some. We had $3 million worth of gold. They're going to take it. Yeah, what are you going to do? Maybe next time. Yeah, yeah. He just fucking shrugs his shoulders. And then all of a sudden, uh, Joe and Ann kiss. Like, oh, what's our next adventure going to be? And then end credits. Yeah. What, what the fuck? Yeah, I was waiting, like, wait, what the fuck? Is there, like, a deleted scene that resolves this better? Because they just suddenly were like, oh, we were secretly into each other the whole time. Now we'll tell each other. Yeah. I, I What? Movie? Explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, that made no damn sense. And just all through it, he had no interest in her whatsoever, and she had no interest in him. Then all of a sudden at the end, oh, yeah, we're in love. We're going to go on to the next adventure. Yeah, I... I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't get how Joe put in so much effort to get this boat and to like, go get this gold. And then to just fucking shrug his shoulders when all of a sudden he's going to lose it instead of being like, well, maybe we should find like some hidden compartment on the boat to hide at least some of the gold or something like that. There's nothing. He just shrugs his shoulders. He's like, eh, 
I guess there goes our $3 million. Like he doesn't even fucking care. And then this love triangle that I didn't even know was a triangle. Like the only triangle I thought there was, was like rapist one, rapist two and Anne. And then he comes in and it's like, Oh, do you guys like each other? What the fuck movie? Yeah. Like I said, I would, like you said, I would have thought he would have at least tried to been like, Hey, let's hide some of this at the couch or something. Something. No, not even nothing. I, Oh God, this movie. It was like the whole movie was just pointless. They might as well have not gone. Right. Yeah. If you're going to put in that much effort to go do something and then the minute like someone is going to take it away from you and you're not even going to mildly put up a fight. Like, I think he even said something like, oh, well, we are supposed to give like 50% to the government or something like that. Then give 50% to the fucking government. You at least still have one and a half million left. Like, yeah. Wow. To split. That's still, I mean, for 1960, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Why is that not an option here? I don't fucking get it. You know what else I don't get is how uh, 68 people on Letterboxd have seen this movie. Because that seems like, you know, 68 too many. (laughs) That seems like more people than saw it when it was out theatrically, probably. Probably, yeah. Um, So, yeah, 68 people on Letterboxd. Oh, actually, it's 69 now because I just logged it today. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then um, it's got an overall rating of 2.9, which I don't fucking get, but. Uh, I would, I get the 0.9, but I don't get the two. Uh, yeah. I, so, I mean, like I said, a lot of the positive reviews were about the, um, the stereo vision part of it. So I think a lot of people are maybe saw it in that format because there was a few that said they actually saw it in theater in this like in 3d so i mean maybe it it, it's being given more credit for something like that but then like some of the um a few of the other reviews i read were like oh it's you know it's fine it's interesting whatever i'm like when where how why i don't get it at all it's it's boring and it's fucking rapey and i don't like it (laughs) i just don't (sighs) <sighs> yeah, it was way rapier than I ever imagined it to be. I, you know, it, from the description, you don't get that at all. Yeah. No, it's not like, ugh, I don't know. Um, so let's see what some other people had to say about it. Chad, you have a letterbox review to read? Yeah, let me pull this up here. And this is the most baffling one of them all. Yeah, this I... This is a three and a half star review by Mercury7. And it says... This exceeded my expectations and then some. The 3D in September Storm is phenomenal. I defy anyone to watch the flat version and the stereoscopic version and not be a 3D convert afterwards. It's just pure magic. Almost every shot is either striking or has something interesting going on dimensionally. A top-notch effort by the original filmmakers and, of course, the restoration team, without whose wizardly work we have never had this 3D treat. I like the film for what it is, a breezy, slightly dopey sailing adventure with a hint of romance and a fun little treasure hunt thrown in. Joanne Drew is better than this film. Mark Stevens is perfect for it and seems to be having a blast, while Asher Dan and Robert Strauss are just, well, there. I think the script squanders its chances of creating some real tension later on, which undermines what Drew is trying her best to wring out of the thin plot. Both the love triangle and the dark character twists are shoved off or shrugged off, but there's a lot to enjoy here. The underwater scenes, the flamenco dance, the Mediterranean scenery, some fun banter, the boat itself in 3D, and the lovely Miss Drew. 
I've watched the movie three times already, and I've liked it more each time, which bodes well for its longevity. Wow. Did this guy see the same movie we did? The 3D can't make the movie that much better. Like, it can make some stuff visually interesting, but everything he's saying about, like, outside of that, I don't fucking get it. Yeah, I love the dark character twists. Oh, you mean the part that two out of the three guys were rapists? Right. I, ugh, God. Ew. Um, yeah, I don't, there's no way the 3D can make it that, I mean, unless, like, when you sit down, put your glasses on, like, when you take them off, you're actually wet, and there's a fish laying next to you, the 3D <laughs> was not that good. <sighs> yeah. Um. So I've got... Like I didn't there there's not that many reviews because you know there's only sixty-eight people who've logged it on Letterboxd. And so I struggled to find like a bad review that actually like a, a a low one, like a one or a one and a half that actually had anything to say. So I have a three-star one by Mac J. And he said, uh, better than you might expect, but not great. This uh, <laughs> for, formerly obscure adventure tale makes good use of 3D technology, particularly in underwater scenes. The plot is standard, but actors are decent, and most of it was filmed on location. So, okay, I'm going to pause there. Why are you giving movie a, a, like a movie credit because it was filmed on location? Like, it's ugh, it it doesn't deserve a higher rating because of that. Anyway, uh, the seafaring scenes are surprisingly well realized, even the ones using an obvious scale model of the storm tossed ship. The cast features a very wiry Mark Stevens years after his appearance in a handful of good film noirs. He does a fine job with a meretricious, but basically a good guy character. Robert Strauss works very well as the obnoxious sidekick with a darker side. Okay. I really don't care for how people are underscoring or just saying like, oh, darker side. I'm like, he's a fucking rapist. So fuck this guy. Who's this? Mac J. Your review sucks. Asher Dan and Joanne Drew add to the lustful and narrative interest. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'm getting more mad at the reviews of this movie than I am at the movie. Yeah, people have some strange ideas about what romance is. Oh, my God. All right. Where was, where was I? Uh, 3D can look pretty gimmicky in most films, and this one is no exception, but it's, color, uh, but it's colorful and fun to see most of the time, occasionally drawing the viewer into the drama. No. Um, music by producer Al Person and Krauschner is mostly effective. Screenplay by W.R. Burnett, The Asphalt Jungle, and Little Caesar. Uh, basically an overgrown B-movie. Definitely not some forgotten masterpiece, but of interest for the curious. Whatever. Yeah, this is not a B-movie. This is a D-movie. Yeah, I... <sighs> I mean, I think there's a lot of elements that are pretty standard fare for like an adventure film of this era, but I it's it's completely forgettable except for the negative stuff about it unless you, I guess you see it in 3D. But so many of these people are giving credit to other points besides the 3D or the visual aspects of it, which is just I I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Which just because the movie is filmed decently doesn't mean it's a good movie. Right. It just means you had a competent cinematographer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right. So I can probably guess, but Shad, love it, recommend it, leave it, remake it, or kill it with fire. 
I'm going to say kill it with fire. Yeah. Especially the people in it. Yeah. <laughs> the characters. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to think of something nice to say about the movie. Uh... I like. Anne. It was short. It was short. I like uh, Anne's bathing suits. Um, I kind of laughed at the stuffed shark. And. Yep, that's about it. I got nothing. I'm fucking kill it with fire. I mean, I, it's not like. Uh, it's not at the bottom of the scale for me as far as movies I've done for this show so far, but it's definitely like if, if it, if it didn't have like the, like all the sort of like attempted rape scenes, like just sexual fucking creepiness in it, I'd probably be a leave it, but all of that in there, it just makes me, it just made me uncomfortable. And I was just like, ugh. and then the fucking reviews from other people, like, that that just makes it even worse. So I think like the people's letter po- positive letterbox reviews are fueling my hate for it as well. <laughs> so not only like do I want to just kill it with fire, I just you know I want like explosions and whatever else like with these fucking letterbox reviewers in that fire with them. So, yeah, I want to see that boat. I want to see all of them on that boat and see it sink. There you go. Ooh, let's sink it. Not just kill it with fi- we'll kill it with fire and then sink the boat. Good call. Yeah, watch the boat, watch the burning boat just sink beneath the waves. Yes. I like it. Good call. <laughs> All right. So that's it for September Storm, which means it's time to pick the next movie. All right. Rules for picking. Uh, it has to be on the customer's also watch list for September Storm. Uh, it has to be available to watch for free. It has to be a movie I have never seen before, and I can only pick the movie based on Amazon Prime info. So, uh, year it was made, thumbnail image, short description, who's in it, who directed it, etc. No looking at outside info. All right. So, customers also watch list for September Storm. Oh boy, I have Shark's Treasure, mm. nineteen seventy four. Another sunken treasure movie. Mm, hard pass. City Beneath the Sea, 1953. Two American divers are distracted by fair ladies and skullduggery while trying to salvage gold off, uh, while trying to salvage a gold ship off Jamaica. I don't want to watch another buried treasure or sunken treasure movie. All right. Uh, Beneath the Twelve Mile Reef. Jealousy, tragedy, and romance are involved in this movie about two rival groups of divers competing for sponge beds off the Florida coast. Ooh, that sounds exciting. I mean, you're biased because you're from Florida, Shad. I'm not going to pick that one. (laughs) All right. Uh, We've got Sinners in Paradise, 1938. (laughs) Uh, An air... Oh, Jesus, this is long. All right. An airplane cracks up during a storm and crash lands on an uncharted South Sea island. The pilots are killed, but all nine passengers survive unscathed, including runaway bride Anne Wesson, fugitive criminal Robert Malone, and blonde uh, blonde strumpet Iris Compton, crooked Senator Corey, radical... Jesus Christ, this is taking forever. I'm not going to pick that one. Legends of the Seawolf... 
No Year from the novel by Jack London. Oh, okay. A Tale of a Brutal Sea Captain. Seas Captain? What? That's not right. Well, I didn't type it. I don't care. Uh, sea Captain of the Ghost, who is ruthless with his uh, who is ruthless with his crew, uh, who is ruthless with his crew. It becomes more than they can tolerate. Um. So that sounds like a mutiny on the bounty. Yeah. <clears throat> Wallaby Jim of the Islands, nineteen thirty-seven. Oh my God! Why do I have nineteen thirties movies here that aren't horror? And that's another super long description. I think whoever put the that other one on there, the Beneath the Twelve Mile Reef, also put Wallaby Jim on there because that's a long ass fucking description. <laughs> All right, Night Tide, nineteen sixty three. On leave in a shoreside town, Johnny becomes interested in a young dark haired woman. They meet, and he learns that she plays a mermaid in the local carnival. Uh, after strange occurrences, Johnny begins to believe that she may actually be a real mermaid that habitually kills during the cycle of the full moon. Huh. So, a mermaid werewolf? Ooh. Yeah, maybe. That's a possibility. Well, that's number one right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. Masquerade. Oh, wait, that's not free. Skipping. Uh, the Fear Makers, 1957, a Korean veteran cooperating with the Senate committee uncovers subversives. End of description. Mm, no. All right. Cat Burglar, 1960, a burglar steals a briefcase. Unknown to him, it contains a valuable secret formula. So he has the police on his trail, plus the owner of the formula and a ruthless spy. It's in this. Um... Jack Hogan and June Kenny. I don't know who they are. Sorry, movie. Operation Kid Brother. 1966. Neil Connery, brother of Sean. <laughs> Stars in this spoof of, uh, of the James Bond films. A master criminal plans to blackmail allied government so that he can control half the world's gold supply. I don't want to watch a James Bond knockoff. Yeah, especially one with Sean Connery's brother. Right. <laughs> oh, we got Code 7, Victim 5, 1965. The first victim is uh, the first victim is the butler of a South African millionaire. The millionaire Wexler is afraid for his own life. He hires a hard-hitting private detective, Steve Martin, to defend him. Wait, why is the first sentence of this description, the first victim is the butler of a South African millionaire. What the fuck? is going on with these movie descriptions today. <laughs> I'm in a very weird spot. Yeah, because Steve Martin's who I think of when I think of tough guy. Right. I. Who else is in this? Lex Baxter, Ronald Frazier. I don't know who these people are. Okay. That's a pass. Um, let's see. Earth versus a spider. This came up on the last episode. Um, it's teenagers from a rural community and their high school teacher, uh, high school science teacher join forces to battle a giant mutant spider. So um, I thought about that one, but then I'm a little concerned because of night fright being like a teenagers versus monster from that era. And it could be really bad, especially if it's on Amazon prime. So I think I've maybe? seen or seen clips of uh, that one and it is pretty terrible okay like a giant trash bag spider <laughs> that sounds funny so but i'm glad that 
you've got some knowledge of it. So yeah, I'm not, I don't feel bad passing on it. So um, yeah, we're, we still have only got one possibility right now, which is night tide. Um, let's see. I've got lady ice, 1974, an insurance investigator romances, a wealthy young beauty when he suspects that she may be involved in fencing stolen jewels. Who is in this Jennifer O'Neill and Oh, Donald, is that Donald Sutherland? Yes, it is. Um, but I don't really want to, uh, I was really trying to get back into horror and I know that's not going to take me in the right direction. So where I feel like the werewolf mermaid one (laughs) is more likely to get me in that direction. So no. Um, oh, yay. The horrible Dr. Hitchcock. I've seen this. It's about a guy who's got like a whole like necrophiliac thing going on and he accidentally kills his wife and yeah anyway oh yeah we saw a poster for that at spooky empire this weekend yeah barbara Steele's in it it's actually really good yeah and i mean it's good but yeah all right uh cage of evil 1959 i think i've seen this a detective falls in love with the diamonds and the girlfriend of a thief he's pursuing who's in this i think i've seen it Ronald Foster and Pat Blair, maybe not. I think I'm thinking of something else. But again, like any of these sort of crime heist ones are not going to take me in the horror direction. So what else do I have got? Detour. Uh, no Year. Oh, it's an Edward G. Ulmer film. I That's not going to take me in the right direction. So Park Row, 1951. And the... Trollenberg Terror, 1958, sci-fi. And then When the Lights Go On Again, 1944, which has two people hugging on the poster, so no. Um, So, I mean, if I hadn't seen Horrible Dr. Hitchcock, that would be a definite possibility, but I have, so it's uh, out. That one's out, and I guess it's going to be Night Tide, uh, 1963, for the next episode. All in on the map or the uh, werewolf mermaids. Yeah, let's do this. All right. So, uh, night tide, 1963 for the next episode. Um, if you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at CAW podcast, Facebook or Instagram under customers also watched or letterboxed under also watched. Uh, Coming up next week on Customers Also Watch, I've got a Thanksgiving mini episode with Rebecca where we're covering the Pumpkinhead movies, and that will be followed by the next Amazon Prime episode, Night Tide uh, 1963, and my guest will be Joe from the Late Night Psychorama podcast. Shad, thank you so much for watching this garbage movie and joining me to talk about it. (laughs) Um, Where can people find your podcast and follow you guys on social and all that good stuff? Uh, We're on all the major podcast apps, just as jump scare podcast. And we're on Instagram as jump scare underscore podcast. Cool. And I believe we're on Twitter as the jump scare underscore podcast as well. Awesome. Uh, What do you guys have coming up um, for your episodes? Uh, you guys just did like pot of ween or something, right? Yeah, we just finished the pot of ween where we did uh, a podcast every day for the week leading up to Halloween. Mm -hmm. So we took the weekend to recover from that, and then we're going to move on from there. I think the next one we're going to do is going to be The Hand with Michael Caine. Oh, okay. Fun. 
Yeah, you guys do like a really cool mix of like sometimes it's like made for TV and like old and new and stuff like that. So um, yeah, a lot of those made for TV ones turn out to be pretty decent. Yeah, there's not some there's some pretty good ones out there. Um, actually, my my guest for this next movie, Joe, actually did uh, a challenge uh, for October where he only did made for TV horror movies for the entire month oh, of October. Okay. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you his inf- uh I'll message you his like info you can check out all of the stuff that he watched so yeah that'd be great I'd love to see what those are yeah um well we found a few that like Wes Craven had directed that we didn't know about yeah yeah there's some there's some odd ones out there but yeah definitely some uh some diamonds in the rough out there but also some garbage so it'll be yeah <laughs> all right well thanks again Chad for joining me you're welcome and thank uh, you for having me of course I'd love to have you back sometime if you're uh, with hopefully with a better movie <laughs> yeah Uh, everyone be sure to give jump scare a follow and a listen and uh thanks for listening and i'll see you soon bye bye hey andrew hey maddie do you like horror movies i sure do well did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real life horror really like what well take the shining for instance that's based on stephen king's real life addictions or the purge which could be our country any minute now Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, guys. Oh, oh hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael, oh, hi. Well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Get slayed.